Hello, 3W listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. We once again have my good friend, Ashley, from San Diego. Again, she's a psychotherapist, clinical social worker. Dan in San Diego, she's joining us again. She joined us a couple of months back talking about suicide awareness, and she's back with us today talking about social distancing and depression. So thank you for those of you that have been joining us. Once again, my name is Helen Nguyen. I'm the CEO of 3W. Medical for Women. We are a nonprofit women's clinic out here in Seattle focusing on comprehensive reproductive health care for women. And we thought it was really timely that we talk about social distancing with the new lockdown restrictions out here in Washington State as well as in California where, where Ashley is. So Ashley, what do you think about social distancing and depression? Has there been a spike in depression linked to social distancing and why? Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I, I think that the obvious answer for that is, is yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I can definitely tell you clinically what I've observed in my own patients and people I work with. And I do a lot of psychoeducation out in our, our community too. And what I've noticed is that, the longer this lingers, the more mm-hmm. I hear about depression and anxiety. And I feel really, mm-hmm. I, I'm starting to feel sad myself, just kind of soaking it all in and hearing from people. Because I think for me, the hardest part about all of this is the the physical distancing, right? The inability to connect to other humans and part of what makes us so unique as a species and and as mammals is that we need that connection and we're not getting that right now in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. we're noticing that in states with some of the heaviest lockdowns. Mm -hmm. And you can't replace that. I mean, as much as technology has been advanced and we get to have these cool, you know, Zoom conversations like we're using right now, you still can't replace being in the same room with someone. Right. Nothing replaces being able to give somebody a hug, look someone in the eyes, share a meal with someone. This is these are all really unique, neat facets to, to yeah. being mammals, right? And yeah. And really, if you boil it down, that's what humans are. We're mammals, we're animals, we're 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 wired for that that pack connection. Mm-hmm. We're not lone wolves. Yeah. And how has social distancing affect people in different age groups, like the elderly versus us younger folks? Um, Is it different or the same or worse in one camp versus the other? You know, I would say I would break it down into categories like this. Children and adolescents, the middle age, and then the elderly. So all three of those different age groups across the the human lifespan have different challenges. For small kids, it's not going to school. It's not doing Girl Scout meetings in person. It's not going to to practice after school. It's not connecting with their classmates, which is really hard and, and takes a huge toll on their mental health and on their social and emotional wellness. And then I'm going to skip over to the elderly. And the elderly... They're already in a in a hard spot in a lot of ways because many of our elderly Americans live in some form of long term care, and what we know about how how quickly COVID spread, especially up up with you guys in Washington State, was that yes. it spread like wildfire in the nursing homes, right? Yes. So the elderly are incredibly vulnerable mm-hmm. from contracting COVID and and unfortunately dying. The mortality rate is pretty high mm-hmm. in people over the age of seventy five. And then in between, what I'm seeing 
in that middle kind of sandwich generation are the people in their 30s, 40s, 50s caring for their kids and for their elderly aging parents or grandparents. Mm -hmm. So that's a different type of stress and depression that's on their back, right? They're expected to not only figure out how to juggle this this full-time job, now they have to distance teach their children at home and make sure that mom, dad, grandma, and grandpa are protected and safe that they aren't contracting COVID or exposed to COVID. Right. So it's, it's, I would say that it's difficult in, in all three of those major age groups. Yeah. Um, but I would say in the elderly, it's it, that I think for me that really tugs on my heartstrings. I have a really soft spot yeah. in my heart for people that are, that are older mm-hmm. and they're very socially isolated to the fact that like mm-hmm. even a lot of the CNAs and nurses that are treating them and working with them in, in nursing homes. I've, I've heard stories of people actually having to like camp out and live on the property, not coming in and out all day long. Yeah. How does that affect their quality of life? Do you think? That's a hard, that's a, uh, that's a hard question to answer. Right. Because on one hand it's absolutely impacting their quality of life. And on the other until I feel like there's some sort of mass mass vaccination or Mm -hmm. some way that we can build the herd immunity that we needed to be at to protect all of our vulnerable citizens. It's going to be really difficult to, to Mm -hmm. balance those two things. So Mm -hmm. I think especially for the elderly, sending them care packages, calling in on zoom when nursing homes and hospitals and convalescence homes set up zoom time with them. And I love all the creative ideas people are having of standing by grandma and grandpa's window from the outside yeah. <laughs> and showing their babies for the first time. And unfortunately, as much as, as much as we want to be there with them, that's the population I feel is most vulnerable for, yeah. for depression and anxiety. Although we're seeing it in, across the lifespan, across the right? But yeah, the other problem with depression and anxiety at, at that age is that it can contribute to sharp cognitive decline, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that there's a big connection between our cognitive abilities, anxiety, depression, long-term trauma, stressors, things like that. So yeah. it's a hard place to be, unfortunately, and I wish I had more more answers for that. Yeah, we seem to be flying the plane and building it at the same time, so... There's a lot of people kind of in the same situation of like, we don't know, we're going to try to do our best, but how do we balance all these other pieces too as well? What are some tips for people that you can give them who are isolated physically to combat depression? What are some tips that you can think of? I love the idea of, even though I think we're all over Zoom and all over our, our electronics and stuff, I really like the the thought of connecting maybe once or twice a day, a couple times a week by some sort of voice messaging device like FaceTime or Google or Skype, whatever Zoom that you want to choose and get on. Also, getting outside in, in wide open, spread out yes. spaces. So direct sunlight, especially in the morning, it has been proven do tons of evidence-based research to help decrease depression symptoms, to help regulate circadian rhythms, your sleep, mm-hmm. um, D levels, all of these different things. Yeah. Getting outside, being in direct sunlight, being spread apart, wearing masks if you need to, but knowing and understanding that physical isolation doesn't necessarily mean quarantine, mm-hmm. right? So 
sick or you've been exposed, then you need to quarantine. Yeah. But if you're not sick and you haven't been exposed, but you're in a higher vulnerability bracket, getting outside and being in places where you can stay spread apart, you can mm-hmm. still see people and see the world is really important. So get outside the house in a safe way. Yeah. That's a lot of what the medical providers at 3W has been, been mentioning in other podcasts is like, go outside, breathe yes. some fresh air, wave yeah. at your neighbors across yeah. the street. And out here in Washington, you know, it's, it's raining by three mm-hmm. o'clock, the sun is gone and you're driving yep. home in the dark or it's like, you look at, yeah. it feels like it's eight o'clock oh, yeah. already. Yep. Yeah. That starts to happen in California right now around five. So we got a couple hours on you guys, but it was really cute on Saturday morning, my six-year-old's softball league we we couldn't have a real league season this fall ball season Aww. because we could mix team cohorts but we had broke the kids up into team still and we just had a couple practices a week so i was at the large sports park where her where her practices and games are played and it was so sweet there was a huge circle of of women probably ranging between like 70 and 80 mm-hmm. and they were in a giant ring outside in the park and they were all spread out about six, seven feet away in their lawn chairs. And they were just gabbing and and chit chatting and laughing and having breakfast together outside. And I thought, yes, this is is how you do it. And I even told them, like, you guys look like you're having a blast. I want to join you. They're like, grab a seat, six six, six feet away apart. I was like, okay. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, Yeah, it was really neat. We need to see things like that to make ourselves feel less isolated and depressed during this time. But with like seasonal depression, and that's a whole nother topic, but and isolation coming in, it's just like be intentional about going outside, getting some fresh air. The world is not ending. It's just a weird time. (laughs) Absolutely. Especially up in the Northwest, you know, if any of your listeners in the Seattle area are listening to this, they could find psychiatrists Mm -hmm. that do light therapies and things like that. So if anything like that's of any interest, I would highly suggest finding a psychiatrist and working with them on light therapies and stuff like that, that can help with, with the seasonal affective disorder type stuff that comes along with how dark and wet the weather gets for you guys. Mm Mm-hmm. Is do those lights actually work? The ones that mimic the sun? Yeah, it's fascinating. So, in some of the most northern parts of the world, like up in places like Finland and Sweden, Norway, Iceland, like it's common practice to get people in front of lights and to gauge their vitamin D levels and stuff like that. Of course, those are things you want to do with the assistance of a physician. But there's all sorts of connection between a decrease in sunlight, decreases in vitamin D levels and depression. That is so interesting. I I yeah. never thought that those things would like those lights would work, but yeah. more and more people in my life are using them and dependent on them, especially now. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. What are the long-term effects that you that we should look out for with social distancing and depression? What are what are some things that we need to be more intentional about? I mean, we touched uh, touched a bit on it just now, but should people be thinking ahead of the game and reaching out to counselors and therapists, like just in case, or should they wait for something or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I say this all the time and 
I, I think I may have even mentioned this to you before, but my big, my shtick is if you have a beating heart and air in your lungs, therapy's for you, right? So <laughs> if I get strep throat, where do I go? Urgent care, my primary, right? Yeah, if I need yeah. a pap smear, where do I go? 3W, right? I talk to <laughs> my, my OBGYN for a pap smear. If I need these things, I know exactly where to go. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of preventative health care with our physical health, but we're not doing enough preventative health care with our mental, mental and emotional health. health. Mm-hmm. That's part, I think, of the long-term depression and anxiety problems we're starting to see. So in terms of COVID and its impact on our mental health, some of the things I would probably be looking out for is, am I really triggered in a sense that everything feels like it's life-threatening now? So Mm -hmm. I think even after the vaccines come out, even after the mass immunity happens, even after life sort of goes back to normal, you're going to see I don't want to say PTSD, but you will definitely see an increase of anxiety connected to things that might be harmful to our health. So Mm -hmm. really being mindful of not obsessing over the hand washing and not obsessing over, oh my gosh, did I just have the sniffles? I need to go home. And it's really the allergy kind of seasonal stuff going on. So Mm -hmm. just being mindful that I think for years to come after this, no matter what our new normal ends up looking like, people Mm -hmm. can really, really be triggered by by health stuff in general for a long time after this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again for your time and your expert opinion on social distancing and its connection to depression and increase of depression lately. Like I said, it's a really timely subject because once again, our States are under lockdown and I was, you know, I was just at Costco this morning and people are freaking out. Oh yeah. Um, I just want to remind folks that like, you know, especially our listeners, everything in moderation, we're, <laughs> we're going to be okay. There's enough supplies for everybody. It's, it's going to be okay. And what we yeah. really need to make sure is that our neighbors are okay and our families right. are okay. And in our own self-care and mental health is also a priority. So toilet paper is going to be, it's just, be, it's not going to run out. So I rather right. folks focus on mental health than hoarding up on toilet paper. Um, yeah. So for our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about this, please reach out to 3W. We'd love for you to touch base with our medical providers who can just give you a different perspective and make sure you're physically and mentally well. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you again, Ashley, for joining us all the way from San Diego. We so I so much appreciate you and your opinions and your your ability to care for people and communicate that really helps me um, put things in perspective. So thank you so much for what you do every day. You're the best. Thanks for having me and being me again. Yeah, of course. Of course. So if you want to hear more of our podcast, more from Ashley, please visit our podcast tab on our website, which is 3wmedical.org, number three, letter W, medical.org. Thank you so much again for everyone that's listening. And until next time, be well.